Hello, and welcome to another episode of I Just Want to Be Included. My name is Veronica Olson, and today I continue my conversation with Alex. Hopefully, you listened to last week's episode where we met Alex, who is a senior in high school and has spent the last few years transitioning from female to male. I know this topic is difficult and people tend to have very strong thoughts and feelings about gender and sexual issues. You may not like or agree with everything you hear on this podcast, and that's okay. The goal of this podcast is to bring humanity to difficult topics. We are called to love one another and have patience with each other. There is no room for hate, making others' lives difficult, or dehumanizing people. I just ask, as always, that you listen with an open heart and mind in compassion. People who are struggling with gender identity or sexual identity issues are human beings with thoughts and feelings. They have family and friends who love them and are trying to support them as they find their place in this world. Anything said during this episode is based on personal opinion, thoughts, and experiences. Nothing said should be taken as professional advice. Everyone is different. Every situation is different. Please always seek professional help in your community to deal with whatever you or your child might be facing. Enjoy the episode. I, do you mind telling people you're going into your senior year of high school, right? Yep, I'm going into my senior year. So you're very much still with the teenage <laughs> crowd. Yes. And I know you've told me before you have a lot and you've mentioned it today. You have a yes. lot of people that you help at school who are starting to realize that maybe they've been, been misgendered. Maybe their sexual orientation is different than what they yes. initially thought. So what are the biggest fears for these kids where they start realizing something needs to change? What um, are the biggest fears that they're dealing with? Um, A lot of one just in general there is always a fear of change because yeah. it's really hard sometimes to commit to a life that you don't know what it is yet yeah sure and there's a lot of fear of the unknown and also there is a lot of fear that it is going to change too much okay. that for example what a lot of people that i've heard talk about is even when their families are supportive is it makes things awkward for yeah. a time and yeah, people get does. really scared of that. And yeah. also most people, because of that fear of the realistically it being awkward or things changing, it becomes into the fear of not being accepted, which is a big fear when it comes to coming out. But when it mm-hmm. comes to kind of accepting yourself, is there are a lot of different types of internalized transphobia and homophobia, homophobia just because the way the culture is. Yeah. And like, for example, I used to struggle with like a lot of internalized um, homophobia when basically I came out as trans and I identified as a straight guy for a while. Okay. And then I was outed as bi and it was a really weird situation because I was outed before I realized I was bi. Gotcha. <laughs> it was like a whole thing. And I just straight up wasn't ready for it. And it took me yeah. 
a good amount of time to fully come to terms with that just because sure. you have to learn to kind of check what biases do you have even if you never put them on other people mm-hmm. usually sees themselves in a certain way and it yeah. can be scary realizing that the way that you were told and you thought you were isn't true and right. there's that transition but then there's also the fear of admitting this is going to make my life a lot harder there's going to yeah. be things that you're going to have to deal with that you're not going to want to and yeah. there are going to be hate people who hate you just for being who you are and that's a big fear too because sure. I mean especially people that are shyer they don't and or conflict avoidant you don't want to make any like at least for me I've always been scared to make anybody uncomfortable so I tried to do so much accommodating in my life and admitting your own gender and or sexuality you have to commit that you're gonna make some people uncomfortable because you are worth it in order to get respected and to feel like who you are and be able to live who you are And that's a really hard thing to juggle. But then there's also the fear of genuinely getting hate crimed and stuff like that, where I'm lucky. I'm, like I said, relatively cis passing and I'm not exactly an easy target that I'm relatively safe, but not everybody is. And not everybody is. I found a wonderful wonderful group at the arts academy where a lot of people are queer a lot of the people have gender stuff and i found a community not everybody gets that community so they're afraid of being ostracized and their friendships no longer working the same because there's a whole different for whatever reason there's a whole different set of social politics when it comes to gender especially in teenagers Like, for example, like you hear a lot of people talking about the boys and the girls. And if somebody wants to come out as non-binary, that puts them in a weird spot. Or even, even let's say, like, for example, all your best friends are guys and you're a trans girl. Suddenly, when you come out as a trans girl, that dynamic shifts. And a lot of people, when things change, their response is to get angry. Yeah. And that often gets taken out on the trans person. And that's something a lot of people are afraid of happening. And Mm -hmm. I can tell you right now, what, how people actually respond is not even close to how much trans people worry about them responding. Yeah. It's like tenfold because you always have to be vigilant and it's, because the way the way I can think of to explain it right now is you don't get a break from being trans. Other people, right. especially the ones who aren't being super respectful, they get to just focus on something else. You don't get a break from being who you are. You don't get to just put it aside. Yeah. It is. So it makes you extra vulnerable. Right. And it's distressing in a way that doesn't, 
like I keep bringing up this term, but cognitive dissonance. It's distressing mm-hmm. in a way that you can't quite wrap your own head around. You just yeah. have to trust your gut that you're right. And I've talked to a lot of people that it's just being afraid of being wrong, too. Yeah. Because you don't want to be looked down on and lose credit for the entire community because... I don't know if you've ever heard of this, but um, there's this term where kind of model minority, where basically a lot of people that are minorities of all types, but specifically trans people, when you're a minority, you represent that entire group of minorities to a person on the outside. So there's a lot of people scared to mess that up for other people. Sure. And then there's also a lot of stereotypes that come from a very select group of people that don't fit the entire group at all. Yeah. But that's all the public sees of. Sure. So it's that trying to wanting to be, that's a big concern for me is uh, I never want to misrepresent my people. Yeah. So trying, and a lot of that comes with saying, I have every right to be extremely angry at this person right now, but instead I'm going to take a deep breath and try to explain to them where I'm coming from. And maybe like for something that I've done a lot is I'll take a little bit of that disrespect. So hopefully I can change their mind and it doesn't happen anymore. Right. But being expected to always be the bigger person is hard. (laughs) It's It's hard and it's not fair. At the end of the day, it's not fair. It's not fair. And it's especially not fair because most of the times, especially dealing with adults, it is the kid that has to be the bigger person. Yeah. And that's especially not fair. Absolutely. So after saying all that, yeah. as parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, you know, how can adults, whatever category they fit in, help support kids who are going through any of these gender identity, sexual identity issues? Um, there's a lot of different types of support and it kind of varies on how close you are to them, but Uh the biggest, the general thing everybody can do, use their proper name and program pronouns and casually affirm their gender. And by casually affirm their gender is stuff like, for example, if you were to call them a nickname being like, if it's a trade uh, if it's a trans guy, just being like, hey, man, do you want to go do this? Okay. Just the casual bring it up in conversation or like and kind of, if we're talking more like monetarily, if I know so many trans people that all they wanted to happen is they wanted their parents to be actively involved in their transition process. Yeah. And like a lot of them is like a my binders were bought my, by my mom. Right. And that is a kind of support because you don't feel, you feel accepted because the clothes that you are actually using to help you are like, you're, you know the people in your life not only know you have it and don't care, they helped you get to that point. And right. that can give you a lot bigger sense of community and yes. stuff like that. But even with the more casual stuff, just casually gendering them correctly 
and also apologizing when you're wrong. Yeah. And if you mess up pronouns, even if you view them as their actual gender and you still mess up pronouns and names sometimes, explain that to them. Say, I'm working on being better, but I hope you know, I do see you as X. I just suck at pronouns. (laughs) (laughs) That's a pretty common thing because we're all human and that can make people feel a lot better because then it's like, oh, you're just messing up pronouns, but you do see me the way I want to be seen, which at the end of the day is the most important thing. Yeah, it's Um, not like trying to be disrespectful. It's just a habit of what's coming out and especially (laughs) using they and them. And also- difficult. Yeah, because it goes against everything we were ever taught in school. <laughs> yep, and part of it is something people can do to kind of practice on their own. Is kind of like I said with the whole memory, like kind of a placeal thing. Memories of you have with the trans person, try remembering them and flipping the name and gender to what they do, and try to see if you can almost mix that with the memory. Because something, like, this is specifically for people that aren't parents. Grandparents, aunts, uncles, extended family, old family friends that haven't seen each other in a really long time. Right. Part of it is your idea of who they are. At that point, it's mostly a memory. So, because you don't have the opportunity to see them as they are, it's kind of up to you to kind of be like, oh, remember and check yourself when you mess up in your thoughts. So then you don't mess up verbally and stuff like that and it's of course a process yeah Uh, absolutely and also part of it is to listen to stuff like this podcast connect with other people that are struggling through the same thing because like anything the people who are going to be able to kind of put words to what you're thinking and find resources to help you succeed are the people that are going through the exact same stuff as you Because at one and at some time, you never know what will click in your mind and suddenly everything will become a lot easier for you to understand. Yeah. So on the other on the flip side of that, I'm very curious for kids who are starting to question gender, sexuality, what kind of resources are out there? I know there's a huge mental health crisis right now. Yeah. And that's going to be a huge part of this podcast <laughs> because that's affecting so many people. But are there good resources for people who are questioning their sexuality, their gender, whatever to use? And is it something they're actually going to use and benefit from? There are, I am very happy to say there are a lot of resources specifically okay. online because the easiest way to get resources is online and it's sure. also more universal. There's, oh my lord, there's everything. Any social media, just type in LGBTQ and you'll find a bunch of pages that are just posting like LGBTQ co- content and stuff like that. Like right. literally, I am talking about any social media. Um, I'll get yeah. that have that has been popular with like a lot of my friends are like if somebody has like more specific questions and issues like reddit is a forum that a lot of people use because there's a Uh lot of really like active subreddits like 
the FGM sub subreddit is super active and people can just, and when I was struggling, there's been points where I put a question there like, hey, do you guys have any advice about, about blah, blah, blah? And then right. usually a few people respond and you can get that direct connection. Okay. But then there's also sources like the Trevor Project. Yep. They run a great website that also has like a messaging board so you can meet other people. Um, and there's also just a bunch of different support groups. But probably the biggest way to find a community is simply, it sounds really weird and stupid, going to LGBTQ like social media accounts and going through and just following people you think are cool that follow that account. Mm, That's, gotcha. <laughs> you want to build a you want to build a community or do you yeah. want like more or even just following the account and commenting a few times and then kind of becoming a part of a community that way. And yeah. but also at school, most schools now have some sort of GSA which can help. Okay. Um it's a pretty safe bet which funny enough the overlap the overlap is enough that I can say this pretty, if your school has any sort of arts academy, choir, theater, band, a little bit less, but still band, orchestra, join that. I promise you, you'll meet other queer people. You'll find your people. For whatever reason. <laughs> you will find your people. You will find your people. And it's do you think part of that is because those are not gender specific things? Um. Sports are all gender. So many things are very divided by gender, but those things that you just listed have nothing to do with gender. And do you think it's part of the draw? I People can be themselves? I definitely think it's part of the draw, but also something is in order to do like the arts, you're forced to chat. The way you can succeed in the arts is to not think is to think for yourself, think independently, right. and figure out exactly what makes you who you are. And there's a lot more soul searching that comes okay. with being successful in the arts, where in sports and stuff, it's okay, learn how to play the sport and give it your all every day. And it's kind of you follow a straight path, where with yeah. the arts, there's a million different ways to accomplish the same thing. And you have the same goals. And I think that draws a lot of LGBTQ people. Because sure. if you go through the, pro when you go through the process of realizing you're queer, you gain kind of like an innate, I'm not saying all queer people are like super emotionally mature or anything, but you have more experience navigating yourself. Yeah. And that can be more easily expressed in music than like gotcha. sports. And that's kind of my personal theory. Okay. But I think, but I think throughout time, it's just for whatever reason, it's always been that way. Yeah. Yeah. It's just kind of a, like a magnet for yeah. th that group to kind of go towards. Yeah. Specifically, so, oh, go, go ahead. Go ahead. No, it's all right. Oh, it's your I, thought. I was going to say um, specifically in like theater, it's really yeah. weird in choir. Because a lot of times people go for that support, but those environments themselves aren't always the most supportive. Like gotcha. in Park, which is, uh, well, I don't know if I should. Probably not. <laughs> okay, scratch that. In the theater company at my school's history, I am the first trans person 
to be casted as their actual gender the first time they were in a show. Wow. And that is in company. <laughs> 2022, 2023. I mean, we're talking uh, like. Yeah. And there have been people that have been casted or like, and it happens choir program too. And that's simply because I was lucky enough that pre-transition, I was a baritone. So okay. I, <laughs> I think. And yeah. there's a lot of that stuff where it's not always the perfectly accepting environment that I okay. think a lot of people on the outside think it is, but it is definitely much, much better. And okay. even and even though institutionally it's not perfect, the people there most of ninety nine percent of the time will do will try to respect you. Right. And sadly, that's one of the best places right now. But just finding a good friend group for whatever reason, just go with my biggest advice is go with your gut on who to hang out with. If somebody makes you uncomfortable, you don't have to hang out with them. Right. If you think somebody's cool, there's a good chance that they're also thinking you're cool. And another way to meet people is for whatever reason, at least at my school, it's like everybody usually tries to like jet dress nicer for school on really? average for whatever reason um it could just be a my school thing is okay. a lot of the queer kids we all dress up nicer for school because we all like because there's a lot more interest in stuff like fashion rather okay. than just sweatpants so right. and honestly if you go to any high school just look and see if you could be like oh maybe that person looks really cool and talk to them there's a good chance that, especially if you're queer too and have the same tastes, you'll you'll find a friend group pretty quickly. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. And I think yeah. that's really good advice when you're looking for community because everyone needs community. Yeah, exactly. So one thing I wanted to talk about, you have been politically active. I have. And so talk about how you got involved in politics and what your goals are there? Um, so um, I got involved with politics. It's a really funny story, actually. I was at Pride. <laughs> and I was okay. wearing a trans Pride flag as a cape. And we were doing like the cha-cha slide or something. And I looked next to me and there's Congresswoman Haley Stevens. <laughs> okay. So we ended up talking after the event. She offered me to go to this forum I didn't know much about politics. Um, it was a future forum um, discussing topics um, that legislation should focus on in the future. Um, and then after that, um, I got to talk a little bit. Everybody kind of got to talk. And Haley offered me an internship. And I really believed in what she was doing. Um, she had shown a lot of support for queer people. But also, okay. just, I did her research, and I really matched up with her politically on everything. And I was okay. like, this woman, she's someone I want to be in politics with. And okay. I interned with her for a year. Um, I got to do a lot of great work on the internship, and I got a lot of experience. But I actually decided that being involved with politics, it's not what I want to do with my life. But sure. it's something that's, like, it's still important to me because... People like to pretend politics are some, this other, other world, but everything that happens in politics affects everything in everybody's lives. 
Right. And it's important to remember that <laughs> where it's like, it is the system. It is not a perfect system by all right. means. It is not a right. perfect system, but it is the per- system we currently have in place in order to change things. Yep. And if you want things changed, sadly, you got to work through the system. <laughs> yep. <laughs> absolutely. As frustrating as that is. Um, and for me, that's something that's been a big part of my political experience. But I actually, I'm, I'm a really big nerd. I want to go into philosophy of science. <laughs> so, <laughs> hey, that's okay. Yeah. So one thing that you've talked about with me is going campaigning door yeah. to door and not telling people that you're trans. Yeah. And so what's that experience like to kind of meet people and then kind of say, well, by the way... <laughs> It's really, it's almost funny because you can, because I've noticed as my transition has gone further and further, people get more and more shocked every time I tell them. (laughs) Like last year, I ate lunch with this group of people for the entire year, did not mention the, forgot to mention the fact I was trans to people (laughs) at the lunch group. They found out like at the end of the school year. And they were, they did not believe me. They thought I was messing with them. I like that. And like, for me, it's like, part of it is, there is a lot of gender euphoria that comes with somebody genuinely not believing you are not a cis fan. Okay, (laughs) gotcha. Because during the campaign, um, at that point, I wasn't as far in my transition, but I'd say probably about 95% of people assumed I was cis. And so it's just talking to a lot of strangers. And for me, it's when I felt the most normal is it's always a really affirming experience for me when being able to talk to a stranger and they see me as who I am, because it's kind of like a fresh slate. It's like a good way to gauge how much am I actually passing, which I use the word passing and I'm going to define it real quick in case everybody doesn't know what I'm talking about when I say that. Sure. But um, passing is basically being, looking away that you are perceived immediately as the gender you want to be perceived as or how you want to be perceived. For example, I'm somebody where, and all trans people have different goals. A lot of non-binary people, their goal is to look androgynous. My goal is to not be distinguishable from a cis man. That's right. where I I put my goal. And there's some people that they want to be perceived as a trans guy. And that's okay. how they want to be perceived. So gotcha. there's a lot of people that want to be perceived in different ways. But being perceived as a cis guy, for me, I really, really like it when people have no idea I'm trans. <laughs> Most people yeah. at work don't realize I'm trans. Um, pretty much everybody I, I've met since I grew a beard doesn't know I'm trans and like I kind of said before with some of the people like saying like terrible things for to me about trans people yeah it's kind of it's this weird feeling because it's part of it is oh my god I'm passing so much that you're doing this but also is a oh my god why is this a thing that happens right so it's it's really complicated, but overall, I'd say I really love um, the talking with strangers and them just assuming I'm cis. But yeah. not all trans people do. It varies. Yeah. 
right? So for your goal is not to go around and announce, I've transitioned, I've transitioned. But for yeah. some people, that might be more of a goal. For yeah. you, it's like, I have transitioned, but obviously you sat with people at school for a year and never said anything. So <laughs> yeah. you don't feel the need to announce it. Um, yeah. This I, is just who you are. Exactly. And if somebody asks me, I'll be honest with them. But right. it's a part of who I, it's a part of my history, just like the fact I used to play sports is a part of my history. Sure. It, it affects me in some ways because I still like playing basketball sometimes. And like, I still have issues that come up with my transness, but it's no longer the focus of my life. Gotcha. And there, and that's a point people hit over time in their transition. Because especially at first, when you first realize and you're trying to resolve that dissonance, you focus all of your efforts and a lot of your energy on getting that resolved. Once yeah. you've had that resolved for a while, of course you're going to start to move on to different things right. because it's simply, oh, that cognitive dissonance, a lot of it's gone. It's not entirely gone, but it has been a long time since I've had a full dysphoric episode. Okay. And that's something I'm very thankful for. Yeah. And to any trans kids who are listening, you will get there too one day. Yeah. It might take longer. I've been on testosterone for, I think, like a year and three months now. Okay. And so I'm, I'm very grateful that I'm at a pretty secure spot in my transition. So just very briefly, if you could tell people kind of the process about making a decision about going on testosterone, that's not a small thing. Yeah. And so kind of what process you have to go through to even decide this is what I want to do. Um, well, first of all, I did a lot of research okay. and I wanted to figure out exactly what the effects would be. Right. Um, to kind of summarize the effects, it's a lot like male puberty. <laughs> yeah. Literally. Yeah. If you Google male puberty effects, cause that's what it is. It's testosterone. Right. And it's just going through that again. It's a pain. Acne is not fun. <laughs> and you've basically, you've gone through puberty twice. Is exactly. what you're saying. <laughs> but with both genders. With both genders. Yeah. And it takes like a month for you to really start seeing things. Uh-huh. Um, and different people tolerate testosterone differently. Like I'm able to safely be on a relatively high dose because my body can naturally handle a lot of testosterone. Okay. Other people's aren't. So, but the dosing is very scientific and it is very safe. There okay. are a lot of precautions um, precautions that they take. Like for example, they draw your blood beforehand. They do blood work. They make sure it's not going to interfere with everything. Okay. Um, also something that they did is I know a lot more parents are concerned about this than the kids, but they do give you an option before you start testosterone because it can affect fertility is mm-hmm. do you want to freeze your eggs i said no that's yeah. not something that's ever going to be for me but yep. for some guys it is yeah that's okay and yeah. part of, and that decision doesn't invalidate their gender any less sure it's just something it there's just different priorities for different people yeah or giving and, you options for the future exactly if that's something you you choose down the road somewhere. 
Exactly. And so for me was I got all that done. Um, I there are special clinics that do it. You can get it at Planned Parenthood. And also some doctor's offices do provide it. Like, for example, I go to the and it, uh-huh. they are great. They provide testosterone services. They also I switch my primary care over. They lovely people. There's I'm actually taken care of by a trans by a trans nurse. Okay. Too. So it's nice because there are people who actually fully understand what you're going through right gotcha. there. And that's yeah. who you're talking to about it. Yeah. And they interview you and your parents to make sure, okay, is this something you're sure about? And stuff like that. Um, mo- the effects such as hair growth and your voice being lower, those are permanent on testosterone. So okay. if for whatever reason you decide to stop, your voice is just going to stop where it's at. Okay. But for a lot of people, especially if, because a lot of people talk about detransitioners, which are really, really rare, but it is an argument people bring up a lot. Sure. Um, and one stat I heard is 99.5% of trans people are happy that they transitioned, which is by far the highest rate for any cosmetics cosmetic or like a procedure ever yeah for when it comes to the gender affirming procedures right for the vast majority of people it is the right thing but you just stop and your voice stays where it is any facial hair there's it will go away over time right and but these are things you're all very aware of yes before you started you knew that if you changed your mind this is what was going to happen? Yep. And doctors are very good about checking in that you're still healthy, that you're still healthy, you're still happy. Yeah. Also, there are um, protocols before you can even become eligible. Most of the time, you have to be 16. I was able to start a few months earlier because I had both parents on board with me. And okay. I had been a lot of times they'll want to like talk to a therapist or you to see a therapist to kind of be like, okay, are you mentally stable? Are you sure you want to do this? And also something they look for is that you have been living as your gender for a year using other forms. Um, Okay. Like for example, I had been presenting as a guy for a year and a half when I started T already. So it was perfect for me, but they do want to look for that time where there's actually a lot more roadblocks to starting tea than I think the general public. Yeah. And I think that's, yeah. And I think that's important for people to know just because you want this doesn't mean you walk in to an office where, and you get it. And if you've committed to living as this other gender for a whole year, then that shows that this is something you definitely want to do. Right. Yeah, exactly. They more then vet you <laughs> yeah. before you are even able to start. Yeah. And once you start, they um, it's once a, once a month appointments at first, and then over time they get more spread out and spread out. Sure. And they check your levels to make sure that you're good and it's not causing any problems. And they can very easily adjust dosages. Okay. A little about, bit about the actual testosterone is there are two forms there's gel and injections. Uh-huh. Injections are much more effective, but but and it's a shot I have to give myself 
once a week. Okay. And, which is kind of funny because I am not great with needles. So <laughs> I'm you still, had to get over that. <laughs> after a year and three months, I still have to like take a deep breath beforehand and be like, okay, we're ready to do this. <laughs> same routine every week. When I first started taking them, it would take me like 10 minutes to get myself in the headspace to give myself right. a shot. Yeah. And so it's kind of one of those things where it's by any means, means no part of it is easy, but yeah. it is so worth it. Like there have yeah. been times in my life where it's like, I had a really shit day, but at least yeah. oh, going to beat me out. <laughs> You're fine. No, don't worry about it. Okay. Um, I've had a really bad day. Um, but at least I have a beard. <laughs> yeah. At least because having facial hair for me is very much when you have facial hair, it's kind of like the people who misgender me, they look stupid. Right. I'm like a lot of the reason why dysphoria can be so much on a trans person is because not only is the world not perceiving you how you actually are, your body is not on your own side. Right. And being able to be like, oh, even though you messed up, I'm still me. And look, I see a man in the mirror and yeah. kind of realizing that that kind of confidence with your gender, like all self-confidence, a lot of it starts to have to come from within. And yeah. hormones is amazing for that. Okay. Um, and also something that I definitely recommend is for like other trans people as a part of the transition, if something that can help you pass more is kind of copying copying mannerisms because those are small things that you don't realize right but as you grow up you mirror the mannerisms of those those around you and there are sure. more masculine and there are more feminine okay. mannerisms and okay. you can kind of pick up on the oh if i want to pass more or if i want to be perceived more this way i can act more this way and sometimes you you can do that if you choose but by no means do you have to it's okay. it's a it's a tool in the toolbox gotcha and a lot of the hardest thing about gender is and i'm relatively lucky because i'm i'm a binary trans person right. that nobody perceives their gender in the same way and sure. Like, for example, there are also, like, there's a lot of people that try to do a lot of dangerous things to get into their look. Yeah. And they work or they don't work. And then they end up hurting themselves more in the long run. So it's about yeah. the safe trans. It's about having a safe transition. Sure. Because you hear this a lot with all sorts of medical things that become controversial. It is better to do it safely and legally then have kids trying to do surgeries or find hormones on the black market themselves. Yeah. Because yeah. even if you don't think your kid is one to do that, or you don't think you're one to do that after a really bad dysphoric episode, pretty much most of the people I know have Google, have made some Google searches of a, right. is there any way I can get testosterone online? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, and sure. Then just having to go, no, I can't. Yeah. And then close yeah. that out. But yeah. it's there's that's a big part of it. And it's just trying to find what feels comfortable. 
yeah takes a lot of trial and error because not only does it have to be comfortable with your gender but then also for example i'm a i'm a kind of dark colors person i don't really wear like a lot of white or like bright colors Uh uh-huh and that's something that i have to not only do i have to worry about you know having a masculine dress um wardrobe i also for my own preference I don't necessarily want to wear a white shirt. <laughs> right. So it's balancing all those things. And people have a million different motivations going on in their head of why they work the way they do. And also, yeah. not all trans people have the time, energy, or the money to maximize their ability to pass. Right. And that doesn't make them any less valid. And I do think that's an important thing to note here. When someone is transitioning, you're talking about buying a new wardrobe. You're talking about, you know, legally change your name. There's costs associated with that. Like any medical visits, you know, any mental health visits, all of that's money, you know? And so it's not something taken lightly by anybody. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Transitioning can be a costly process. Like for example, what I did, and this is a great tip for any trans people listening. I got really into thrifting it yeah. has helped replacing my wardrobe so much because yeah. I can get a jeans that I can get a pair of jeans that if I bought new would be $80 for five bucks. Perfect. And that's how I redid my wardrobe. <laughs> and you kind of gotta be crafty in order to do it and try to find, okay, what am I still comfortable with? Because right. I, there are not many trans people that are able to actually fully afford to just transition snap of the fingers <laughs> sure yeah it's, i yeah it takes time yeah i was still wearing leggings for like three months because i didn't have enough time to go to the store to get new pants uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> and that takes a toll on your mental health but sadly that's something you just gotta do that and my experience with my child is just that transition of like okay what do i want to wear where do i shop what I what do I shop for? What feels good on me? What feels right? Mm-hmm. That's the whole process too. That's not something you automatically like go to dad's closet and start wearing stuff. You know, that's not yeah. how that happens either. And you gotta figure out a whole new sizing system. <laughs> yes. Because yes. God forbid the sizing systems be the same. Yeah. So it's a lot of lots and lots of trial and error. Yeah. Kind of something that I've like I've used to kind of explain to my sister is when you're trans it's kind of like being any other teenager and trying to find your identity except for the fact that you've realized that all the work you've done building up on an identity was wrong and now you gotta start over (laughs) that sounds exhausting (laughs) yeah that sounds exhausting you build you build your whole life and you know society's like helping you be one way and now you're like dang I'm wrong like you're starting like like the way I kind of just envisioned it there was like when you're doing like some sort of like I do a lot of carpentry project but when you realize that like you didn't measure right and you cut like an extra foot off and you have to start again with new materials and you're just like come on man I thought I almost had it for me a lot of my response to that and just medical issues in general is just kind of like come on this is like annoying yeah (laughs) I can see that because it's because it's just I think I mentioned this before a lot of it is it feels like 
a lot of extra struggle <laughs> for no real reason other than it just wasn't other than some weird biological mishap that right. happened probably before you even had the ability to know who you were. True. Before your brain was developed. It's right. It's sure. crazy. And I keep bringing that up because there's a lot of talk about like, I don't know if you've ever seen it, but the, oh, I believe in science and not feelings. That yeah. stuff. Yeah. It is science. It is yeah. very much science. There is plenty of evidence and there is hard scientific evidence as well as a lot of living proof which qualifies as scientific evidence. Whether or not people in their mind realize that, seeing people that are saying, hey, I'm trans, makes, does, in fact, validate it in a different way because how language works is it evolves over time based on how people are using it. If people are changing the way they're using stuff to accommodate more people, that's not the people being crazy. That is simply the language evolving to fit the mindset of the people and what they've discovered about the possibilities of what they can be. Yeah, absolutely. Alex, you have been wonderful. It has been so fun talking to you. And it's it's been great to be here. Thank you for joining me today. And a big thank you to Alex for being willing to come on this podcast and to talk about his experience and share his story. Join me next week. And you will meet Erica. Erica is Alex's mother. And we will talk about parenting children who come out with gender identity issues and how we help them transition. Hang in there. We're all doing the best we can. Have a good week.